You are listening to the podcast from Mosaic Church. Stay tuned after it for more info about how to get and stay connected with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. Amazing, so touching. Great to see you. It's been, it's been a crazy week. Been a crazy week. Uh, glad you're safe and here today. I think there's still some folks without power and without internet. Um, ours just came back on this morning. Praise the Lord. Internet that is. So yeah. Anyway, but welcome to the last week of our miracles series. And we'll tell you where we're going next at the very end of our time today. But of course, first things first, today is among a bunch of things. It's the first Sunday of Black History Month. And so I'm honored to be able to say that and recognize, of course, many, many amazing African-American people in this church, part of not only American history, but also church history. And super glad about that. It's a big deal to be able to say that in this place. And I'll talk about that and one reason why before we're through. But first things first, firster things firster, I guess, as you'd say, there's also first things, but this is another first things first. Anyway, all right. Uh, <clears throat> listen, I've been stuck inside all week, so I'm feeling a little free today. All right. <laughs> Let me let out of the box, you know. All right. Uh, scripture reading is going to be today from the book of Colossians, chapter one. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring up from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. That's the reading of God's word all his people today said. Amen, amen. Yeah, over this past month, as you may know, we've been doing this series called Miracles along with our global Every Nation family around the world. And today, as we finish this series, I'd like to take a look at another kind of miracle, a final miracle. It's not, in a sense, a literal miracle in the sense of what Jesus literally did, literally opening blind eyes and making lame people walk and raising the dead. But it is It has a kind of miraculous power in that it can open eyes in another way. It can bring people to their feet. It can feed hungry people in its own way, raise the dead in a way. It is the miracle of organizational vision or church vision. And if that doesn't sound too exciting, I'm going to do my best to help get you there before we're through. All right. So I want to talk to you today in specific about some of, though not all of, our vision as a church, and I say some of, but not all of, because whenever you talk about vision, people can sometimes get insecure and think, he didn't say anything about my situation or what's near and dear to my heart and my heart loves the most, and you know what? I might not talk about that. As a matter of fact, I probably won't. And I can't because that kind of thing, after all, is just impossible to pull off in a room like this, this size in 30 minutes in a church of roughly 1,300 people and two campuses and another 700 or so folks who watch online, all right? But I do wanna talk about the miracle of vision at three important levels today. We're gonna break it down and do it like this. Here we go. First of all, we're gonna talk about, number one, the miracle in Manila, number two, the miracle of mosaic, and then bring it all the way down and talk about us today in this room, the mirror online, the miracle of this moment. 
So here we go. We're going to begin and talk about, number one, the miracle in Manila. And this phrase, the miracle in Manila, refers to the moment all the way back in 1994 in Manila, Philippines, when every nation, our global family, was born. And it started when three friends, Steve Merle, author of the multi-million copy selling Bible study, The Purple Book, you may have heard of that, Phil Bonasso, and Rice Brooks, author of God's Not Dead, among other number of books, combined their three churches and ministries. And from this one moment and these three churches has begun something which has grown now into 466 churches around the world in 80 nations, all of which hold a focus on three specific initiatives, church planting, world missions, and campus ministry. I want to take a look at each quickly in turn. First, in terms of church planting, or as all my South African friends say, planting, church planting, this graphic gives you a sneak peek of what's happening in the moment. Blue currently on this map is where every nation has a church or a church plot, and gray is where we do not yet. Now here in North America, which also includes Canada and Mexico, by the way, that was a quick geography lesson for those of you who forget there are other lands outside our great frozen state. Okay. In North America, every nation has 79 churches and 18 church plants, nearly 100 churches. So what kind, though, of churches at a 30,000-foot vision level does every nation seek to plant? Well, you saw it in the recap video a moment ago. Seeks to plant, in specific, Christ-centered Spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches. What does that look like? Let me give you one example. My good friend, Pastor Tim Johnson, some of you may know him. He's a remarkable person. There he is on the screen. Out of Nashville, Tennessee, a number of years ago, he planted Orlando World Outreach Center in Florida. Now, as a football player, American football, that is, not the other kind, another kind they play around the world I've heard of, maybe you've heard of, but American. All right, American football, he won both a national championship at Penn State University and then a Super Bowl with the Washington football team. Let's play for the, the Washington and the Steelers. How did I get this guy as my friend as a Cowboys fan? Anyway, anyway, but he came and he ministered at our men's retreat in 2019. Some of you may remember that. But on March 19th of this past year, 2022, he was praying, told me this story. He prayed this. One morning he prayed, God, show me the secrets of your heart. How about that? God, show me the secrets of your heart. And he said he heard back in return something strange, two words which he was not expecting, these two words Rikers Island, Rikers Island. And if you don't know about Rikers Island, it's a maximum security jail and up in New York, a little island. It's a long way from sunny Orlando, Florida. It's an extraordinarily violent place. They kept talking about shutting it down, averaging like a slashing a week there, gangs forming, breaking down walls and properties and property. And it's known locally as both or either, either hell on earth or the gates of hell. Now, Tim, just being faithful to what he heard, he picked up the phone and through a connection with our Every Nation Church in New York, he called up a jail and asked if he could come minister. And of course, they were so desperate, they said, yes, come on. And one visit there turned into two, turned into him renting an RV and parking it outside the jail and living outside of it for five months. Five months he moved up there, going in every day to minister. And since then, the jail, Rikers Island, has been changed. They brought back basketball games. They've been, they've been canceled due to the violence that had broken out. He's bringing in his friends, Lil Baby. Some of you know who that is. Yes. Lala, the actress. So some of you are like, I oh, know that is. All right. Okay. 
The men are socializing again. He's led these men to Christ. He's baptized 11 of them in five months. And these men said to him, we can't believe you're here. Every other man is trying to get out. You're trying to get in and stay in. And the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, he told Tim's story at a recent police assembly and asked for more help from the community in this way. And maybe, maybe most prophetically of all, the commissioner of Rikers Island has given Tim Johnson, wait for it, the literal keys to the facility. He can go anywhere he wants. I'm pretty sure there's something in our Bible about being given keys to kingdoms. All because he was praying, he obeyed, and he went. That's being Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, and socially responsible as a church planner. It's just what we do. Second, Every Nation does world missions. World missions. Now, Ian sends both short and long-term missionaries around the world, roughly now, roughly 90 centrally supported cross-cultural missionaries. Those are those from one culture or nation who go and minister and live in another. And maybe my favorite cross-cultural missionaries to talk about, I love to talk about them, are my friends Matt and Christy Rash. Now, some of you may know them. This church financially supports them. And Matt, of all people, was my roommate in college at the University of Houston. You may have heard of him. They got a little basketball team this year. Thank you very much. He led my wife, Carrie, to faith, and he was there at U of H as a decathlete on a track scholarship. Living for himself, partying, chasing girls, all the athlete lifestyle, until he blew out his knee. Now, ENC, Every Nation Campus, was just starting at Houston, and Matt was invited to a meeting where in the back of the room, with a bum knee, he had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. He began to weep and repent over his sin. He gave his life to Christ in the middle of the meeting, in the middle of the moment, received prayer for his knee and was miraculously healed. And he graduated and he went into campus ministry and from there he began to take mission trips. As a result, his heart was gripped by a vision for the world. He got married and somehow talked Christy into helping plant churches in Innsbruck, Austria and Budapest, Hungary. And one day, one day, while in the shower, God spoke to him yet again and directed him to move to Marseille, France to plant a new church. And when Matt told me this, I thought he was nuts. <laughs> he spoke no French, <laughs> knew no one, and I think it was a coin toss if Matt even honestly knew where Marseille was, to be <laughs> true. Which is, is actually in the south, by the way, on a Mediterranean coast. Another geography lesson for us today. All right. It's also the gateway to Africa and has thousands of precious Muslims immigrating up through it into France, which of course has produced not only, yes, enormous cultural conflict, but it's also a ripe ministry opportunity for the church. So Matt and Christy learned French. Uh-oh. But some of that this week too, yes. Learn French. <laughs> oh, man. Matt knows I'm, I'm talking about it right now. <clears throat> Moved their family of six, yes, to Marseille more than a decade ago. And now have a thriving church there, roughly twice the size of the average Protestant church. And he recently met a young Muslim man from Iran who opened up to Matt that his mother back in Iran was dying. You know what Matt did? He does what Matt does. Matt got her on the phone. Prayed for her to be healed in Jesus' name, and she was. And I've seen the before and after pictures. They are astonishing. And when that young Muslim man saw his mother healed and up and out of the death, deathbed, he gave his life to Christ. True story. World missions opens our hearts to God's great heart for the world. And world missions is how Matt Rash, a 
boy from Beaumont, later a kid from Kingwood, yeah, became a friend to France. And that's my one-liner for the day. You can tweet that if you'd like. Finally, every nation has a focus on campus ministry. Campus ministry currently here in the U.S., ENC, Every Nation Campus, has 218 outreaches, including one here, yeah, at the University of Texas. And most recently, as you may know, ENC held its first national student conference in more than a decade. Around 1,800 college students from across the country went. And if you want to know what spirit-empowered campus ministry looks like, check out this video. Here we go. Fingers crossed. With this conference, I've been relearning how to trust God, relearning how to live for God, and relearning how to give my faith for God. I'm here on my first ENC, and it's absolutely life-changing. Not but before an hour ago, I wasn't even religious. And I came to this conference anyway because I had a lovely group of friends who wouldn't leave me alone. Chris Johnson was talking about like fear just falling off, like chains. I slept like like a baby last night, and it's been the first time in a long time. One of my campus ministers that I, that I knew uh, just put his hand on me and started praying over me, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit. When Pastor Reggie was on stage and he called out healing for someone with severe anxiety about academics and schoolwork because of trauma that's happened at home, I just started crying because I felt like God was healing me in that moment, and it's exactly what I asked God for healing for less than 10 minutes before Pastor Reggie went up and said those things. Coming to this conference uh, really, really restored my desire to serve God. Today I got baptized and I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Praise be to God. Because I finally let all my burdens onto God and put my trust in Jesus. I have never been able to pray out loud regularly and today I prayed in tongues. Today I took the initiative to commit to um, full-time ministry for the college um, campuses and I'm so excited. I'm not an emotional person. I don't cry. I cried my eyelashes off tonight, so I should tell you something. Three years ago, my left eardrum spontaneously burst. Someone prayed over my ear. I looked at them like they were crazy, but little did I know that God was planting a seed through that person for my hearing to be fully restored in that ear tonight. There's a long list of things like, like wheat and tomatoes and peppers and just all these things I cannot eat at all. It would just trigger migraines. We were in a session yesterday and the pastor was talking about God wanted to heal somebody that was, was having trouble with foods. My campus minister, Akin, he was, he was praying over me. And then after that session, walked as fast as I could over to Disney Springs and I got a burger with like this wheat bun and a, and a big slice of tomato. And I ate it and I got no migraine and I was, I was healed. The people that are on the left and right of me, they placed their hands on my back and at, my mind was at ease. I was calm and I could clearly hear the voice of God. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I spoke in tongues for the first time. I have joy that I never knew I was gonna have and a passion for life that I didn't think was possible. Now I feel free. Like, can't nobody tell me God not real. In this morning, I got a, a sandwich, it was like a sweet croissant. I'm gonna go out to lunch, I'm gonna try a bunch of foods I haven't had in a, in a long time. Gospel is the, the central and it's the everything that um, I need to submit to. That was something I've heard so many times, but it really hit me this time, and I think that's gonna be the, the direction that's gonna change the course of my life. I don't have much else to say, but thank you. Tell them what happened tonight. I got saved, and I devoted my life to Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's super good. Now, before we transition to point number two, why do I share all this with you? Well, for sure, it's because it's part of our vision, yes, but it's also because of this. 
You may have read over the last few years in the United States, and especially over the last few weeks, a number of reports on the decline of the church in the United States, especially the New York Times and Yahoo News, which recently reported, again, you may have read it, which reported that more than 4,500 churches have closed this past year alone in the U.S. This was due to multiple factors. I'll come back to one in just a minute. But basically, the big idea of those articles was that these COVID closings that we experienced have rapidly accelerated the demise of the Christian faith. Now, what I would say to you about all of that at this point is this. More than one thing can be true at the same time. That is, yes, overall church attendance in the U.S. has declined. Hundreds of churches are being shuttered every month, and that's not good. But these are mostly, mostly mainline denominational churches, like United Methodist churches, Presbyterian, Lutheran, and Episcopal, who have, in many of those cases, let go of things like the, of the primacy and the power and the authority of the Christian scriptures in their midst. In other words, they actually died years ago. They have let go of insisting that there is one resurrected Savior and Lord for all peoples. And so in those cases, yeah, when the Bible's reduced to a study guide alone and Jesus is reduced to a nice tour guide alone, then church is reduced to a nice, like, like a nice Wednesday night supper club or a bingo night kind of thing. You can take it or leave it. And when push comes to shove, because it will, with your kids and your commitments and hey, the next bit, you know, Netflix show that you want to binge and stream, what place does church have in your life? You let it go. And so yes, on one hand, sure, the news reports are true. Many churches are closing and have closed. But what is? Also true at the same time is Colossians 1.6, as the Apostle Paul put it centuries ago, that the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. The point is, in that case, it took people, a person like Paul, telling these Christians, the church isn't dying. It's growing around the world. And the same thing is true today. What is also factually true is that there are more Christians now alive than at any other point in human history. And while, yeah, the center of the Christian church has shifted away from North America to what we call now the global South, reports of the church's demise are greatly exaggerated. And I've tried to show you how that is true and how the gospel is bearing fruit all over the world and growing through our global family and through us today. And, and basically, and I'll also say this, in all these church plants that you heard about, including the three that we opened last year, that's not something that news reports and newspapers are gonna be talking about and showing you anyway. And I'm actually okay with that. All that brings me out of number two, the second kind of miracle vision. Not just the miracle of Manila, but the miracle of Mosaic, us here today. Now this church was also planted through every nation. <coughs> But it's safe to say, kind to say, we haven't actually taken a linear path to where we are today, if you know our church's history. And we'll flash back to 2009, following yet another round of leadership struggles in 2009. Dr. John Lloyd, he's an amazing man, one of our current elders, was asked to serve as the interim senior pastor while the church reformed its bylaws, structure, vision, and look for a new lead pastor. Now, if you know my story, I had been here for nine years previously. He's basically the campus guy, college pastor, then moved away to Nashville to work for Every Nation, the corporate office. But when we were asked to consider moving him back, Carrie and I prayed about it and said yes. In the meantime, this church had shrunk to the point of almost joining the news as one of those statistics that you read about. We were financially at a dead end, but God did a miracle. When we cried out to him in what is now our overflow room, some of you may be in there today, wanna to say hi to all you in the overflow room. And by the way, 
If you're in there and you like to sit in here, there is space in our 1230 service. Until the first service, that as well. But that overflow room where some of you might be right now and you've been in there, it did not have nice screens and nice sconces. It had moldy carpet, stained ceiling tiles, dilapidated plastic furniture and stank of persistent mildew. And in that place, and by the way, some of you may be in a place like that in your life today. You need to pray and cry out because that's what we did. Don't despise your day of small beginnings. We prayed and God provided through a tenant who leased our building across the street in what is now our student center and our office building, dollar for dollar, $25,000, dollar for dollar. Well, we needed to make it every month. And that happened after someone vandalized our building. They threw a Molotov cocktail through our window and children's ministry. That set off the sprinkler system, which failed to stop, and the whole thing flooded. Fortunately, we desperately needed a new children's area, and the insurance claim made all that possible. We also needed six-figure repairs on our roof, and fortunately, after a giant hailstorm went through and pummeled Austin, our insurance claim made a new, more energy-efficient roof possible. We also needed a new fence. It was falling over. Thankfully, a giant windstorm flew through Austin. It blew it over, and an insurance claim made a new fence possible. After all of that, we needed a new insurance company (laughs) because they dropped us. (laughs) But that's okay. We got one who actually gave us a lower rate in the company we were with in the first place. Don't ask me how that works, but it's true. And through all of this and that, God began to grow us and helped us to make clear our own local vision, which is this. Mosaic Church exists to make disciples of Jesus Christ through the core values of worship, community, and mission in a multi-ethnic, multi-generational context. And through all the ups and all and all and all of the downs of the last few years, God has miraculously kept us and grown us and expanded us to where in many ways because of, yes, the faithfulness of God and your faithfulness and your support, we have had what I think in 2022 was quite possibly our most significant year yet, or at least the most significant last six months in our church's history. Let me just recap it for you. Last August, we launched our third service. Once more, room in that for you in 1230. Shortly after that, we sent Pastor Alvin Brown to Fort Worth to plant Mosaic Church Fort Worth. He had his first preview service at Christmas, gonna have another one at Easter, and planning on launching week in, week out in the fall of this year. During all of that, while we we knew that, yes, as sort of the mother church, to use the metaphor, as the mother church, we were pregnant with that plant. What we didn't know is that we were actually pregnant with twins. Because last November... Through the miracle gift of debt-free land and property from Texas Oaks Baptist Church, we launched Mosaic South here in Austin off Slaughter Lane. And primarily, yeah, primarily it was through our expression of the value of social responsibility that this took place. Because when Texas Oaks knew it was looking to gift its land and its property, it looked and it prayed for whom should be the recipient. And when they found out the extent to which that we serve and love the homeless community here, and they discovered that the life of a single individual who had been extravagantly served and cared for, their hearts were touched. I got a phone call that led to the rocket ride for our staff and many of you for months and months of last year working to transition a people and a place. And recently when I told that story, the miracle story of our South Campus to a couple of pastor friends of mine here in Austin, two of them, both pastors of prominent churches, if I name the churches, you probably know both their names. One of them said this to me. They said, South Austin is the graveyard for church planters. Second one said, South Austin is where churches go to die. Good luck. But that hadn't been our story and we don't receive any of that in Jesus' name (laughs) because we started... 
with 35 people, great people from Texas Oaks who've been through our membership process and three months later, not advertising it, we're just kind of a soft launch, we're calling it. Three months later, averaging now 130 people a week. It's amazing, yeah. Once more to recap. Started our third service in August, sent Alvin in September, started Mosaic South in November, and last month, you may have been here for this, sent Dan and Kristen Duran to plant Iglesia Delta in El Paso, Texas. Not connected here to Mosaic, but it's part of our Every Nation family. And if you include Family Life Church in East Austin, which is where we sent Pastor Shad Bell, along with 40 people here from Mosaic back in January of 2020, we've now started four new churches in three years. Again, not something KVU is gonna tell you about. But I wanna take a moment and point out something obvious, which you're seeing right now, how we got there and why it matters. It should be pointed out that two of these planters are African-American and one is Hispanic. And here's how we got there. Many years ago, Mosaic North discovered that the county line between historically blue Travis County and historically red Williamson County runs right through our parking lot. Meaning one of y'all parked in one county, some of y'all parked in one county, some of y'all parked in the other, all right. Meaning, Really, prophetically, we sit on the fault line and seek to bridge what have been historically disunifying factors of racial and political diversity. And so on one hand, yeah, I believe that part of, part of our culture at large today, it rejects the Christian faith, yes, because of a tidal wave, a combination of factors of secularism, anti-God, entertainment industry, and media influence, parts of which actively seek to undermine committed communities of faith out of their commitment to an unbridled and unexamined individualistic expressionism. But yeah, on the other hand, what also turns people away, and it should be acknowledged, is the fact that Christians say that they have one savior for all peoples, but then they turn around and act in ways that betray that. For example, Christians will post belittling things on social media about the other political side, about the other ethnic group, all the while they hope and pray that the church grows while they're unintentionally undermining it and then wondering why the church doesn't grow. Then the same people probably honestly post negative things about why the church isn't growing, never knowing that they're actually contributing to the lack of growth. Thank you very much. I'm feeling salty today. Again, been kept inside all week. You're getting it all. But, but here, let me say this. When we commit to being together and we commit to loving one another through the storms that inevitably come this week, apparently on an annual basis in February in Texas, when we don't turn away from one another, even when we're wronged, we live out the most central act of the Christian faith, forgiveness, forgiveness. That is not to do away with other crucial, non-negotiable Bible words like justice, restitution, truth. That's in there a bunch. We talked about it a bunch. We will talk about it a bunch. But when we put those things at the center, 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 not the forgiveness of the cross, but then at that point, if we exchange those things, we put some other kind of savior on some other kind of cross, the kind of savior who usually only looks like us, votes like us, and forgives people like us. And here's why now all of this matters. When we put, because we have the active irritant of political and diverse, diversity and ethnic diversity right in the middle of our church, we've now created the kind of conditions where people can see love on display. Because at that point, and some of you know this all too well, it is love or else. <laughs> Forgive or else. Believe the best or die. And when we do that, and we have done our best anyway, you know what we end up with? At that point, we end up with four churches in three years, led by all kinds of ethnically diverse people and leaders. Listen, church researchers say that of all the churches in the U.S., less than 1% have multi-ethnic, not just attendance, but leadership all the way to the top and bottom. 
What if you went to the doctor and you were told there was a 99% plus chance that you wouldn't make it, but then you did. What might you call that? Come on. Miracle, that's right. So are you. So are we. So is the church of Jesus Christ. Which brings me now, number three, to the miracle of this moment. What do we do with all of this? What do you do with all that you've heard today? Quickly, three things, something there's no, something for you to know, something for you to do, and something for you to believe. First of all, there's something to know, which is this. Here's what you do with what you've heard today. You should know that just by being here, you are a part of all of this. Every time you come to worship, and you should. Every time you give financially, and you should. Every time you serve, and you should. You further the miracle. And besides, come on, why? I, I don't know why someone wouldn't want to be a part of and give their time and money towards something like this. And second, to be even more direct, because that's what you're getting today. What kind of Christian says they love Jesus and his bride, and they don't attend, they don't give, they don't serve, unless there's literally something wrong with them, either their body or their heart. Listen, if we love what Jesus loves, it will show by our time and our money and our energy. But just your being here week in and week out is making an enormous difference in the world and in this city. So thank you. Thank you. You're keeping the dream, the vision, the miracle alive. Second, there's something for you to do with what you've heard, which is this. I say this almost every year, at least once. Invest and invite, invest and invite. That is, invest in your relationships and then invite them here. Now, not everybody's gonna say yes, but lots will. And what if that invitation changed their life? I bet they might thank you. And aren't you grateful that someone invited you here? I hope so, <laughs> I hope so. Invest in, that is love, serve, give, pray for your relationships and then invite. And finally, there's something to believe. I'll close with this story. Years ago, when Carrie and I owned our first home up in Pflugerville, yes, here in the Austin area, like a lot of homeowners, maybe you have experienced, about a year there, our grass started to die. Because those builders, we got, bought the house new, like most builders do, they just throw that saw down on top of terrible old soil, and all kind of junk under there. And so, yeah, after about a year, it began to shrivel and die. The weeds grew, of course, but the grass died. And I can remember saying to Carrie one day after months of watering and fertilizing and praying over the grass, told her, you just can't grow grass in Austin, Texas. It's impossible. Remember using that word. Meanwhile, literally across the street from me was Mr. David Gilmore. No, not the Pink Floyd guitarist, although that would have been awesome, but my elderly African-American neighbor, not quite the same culture, you know, who grew grass like a thick green sheet of lawn cake. You could have sliced it and had it on your birthday. He would, and I kid you not, go out and run his fingers through his grass, inspecting it, the fruit of his handiwork, you know, and he'd sprinkle little seeds of fertilizer in some underperforming blades of grass wherever he would spot them. Then he would stand there, survey his achievement while puffing on his cigarette up front. After, and all the while, I'm standing across the street, peeking out through my, you know, <laughs> curtains, just cursing my own lawn. Now, one day, I'd had enough. So I did something about it. Rather, I should say, Carrie talked me into going across the street and asking him <laughs> what he did. So I did it. I went across the street and I said, Mr. Gilmore, I don't get it. Your grass looks amazing. My grass is dying. How do you do it? And I kid you not, true stories, God is my witness. He looked at me, took a cigarette out, blew out the smoke, leaned toward me and said, I've been waiting for you to come ask me. <laughs> Quote, 
unquote. And he said this, he said, you need good soil. Mm, that'll preach. Without good soil, nothing good can grow. You need to get you a big truckload of good soil, put it on your lawn and watch what happens. So sure enough, I did put, on, put that, gra- that dirt on the grass, installed an irrigation system, and guess what? About a year later, I too had a lovely lawn. It didn't happen overnight, but it did happen. Here's my point. I don't know what you're believing to grow in your life right now, believing to grow in your kids, in your marriage, your job, in your work, in your own heart, but let me tell you, don't curse the ground you're tilling. Don't curse it. Don't say it's impossible. Don't curse the land you're working. Don't curse the area God's given you to grow. The weeds may have died. Man, stuff happens in life. It's supposed to go one way, but it didn't. Don't curse it. Believe God. With God, all things are possible. All things are possible for the one who believes. So yeah, humble yourself. Ask for a miracle. Ask God for help. Ask a friend. Then go to work and never, ever, ever stop believing for a miracle. Listen, what you've seen today is this. From three friends and three churches has grown this worldwide global ministry. From near death here, it's come a vibrant, now 1% church that's planning new works. From your life and tough situation can, can grow something new and beautiful this year. Don't curse your problems, bless them, and ask for help in Jesus' name. Friends, all over the world, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing on campuses, in nations, in jails, in this city, and yes, in us, the people here at Mosaic. Let me take a moment and pray for you, and we'll be done. Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for loving us today, being with us today. Help us to continue to live this out and be faithful as stewards of your word and the mysteries, as your word says, of God. I pray these things for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more info about how to get and stay connected to Mosaic Church, please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store.